It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are very excited to be joined by the star of American Rust. You know her from a thousand projects. Maura Tierney, thank you so much for being here. I feel like I have been watching you on screen for years and years and years, and it is very exciting to see you like on a Zoom screen. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't talk back. I'm talking to your character. Why are you doing that? Don't trust him. And okay. now you're right here. That's so good. <laughs> so tell me about American Rust. I, I started watching um, in prep for this interview. I was aware of the book. I was aware that the TV show was coming out, but I hadn't gotten into it yet. And uh, and now I'm I'm really fully hooked. Like I gotta know where this goes. Um. I haven't seen it, so, <laughs> but I can talk about You're very good. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> and I also didn't read the book, actually, um, because I think the show is, diverges quite a bit from the book. Um, so I thought it might be smarter not to read it. Um, but it's a, it's a, I think it's a very interesting show and it's an interesting kind of a slow burn of storytelling, um, which... I, I mean, hopefully it will be, you know, satisfying for everybody. <laughs> you lived in Pittsburgh when you were filming. And I feel like, um, you know, this year we've been watching and lo loving a lot of stories that take place um, and are really authentic to to that part of the country. The Pittsburgh, the you know, um, mayor of Easttown comes to mind. Um, and I'm familiar with that part, part of uh, Pennsylvania because that's where my mom's family is from. Mm -hmm. um, were you were you familiar with that part um, of Pennsylvania and and what was it like to sort of film and live in the place um, as you were filming and how did that sort of inform um, your character? It informed it tr tremendously, actually, because I, I grew up in Boston, you know, and a city person, and I'm not familiar with, you know, I'd never lived in a, a rural environment. So leaving there and also just seeing the impact of what has been going on in the economy. There are towns that we shot in that were just completely broken. Like everything was shut. All the stores were shut. All the, there, it was just like a, a lost town. Um, not Pittsburgh itself, but, but, but mm -hmm. little towns outside of Pittsburgh. And um, when you see that, it's just, it's the, like I said, it's very impactful because it's, so stark, it was very stark. Um, so that was very informative. Um, and also Pittsburgh, it's a very singular city. Like it's mm -hmm. tough, it's not easy. Like it's freezing and then it's really hot and there's tons of hills and it's just, um, it's a, there's a real pride. People from Pittsburgh are really proud to say I'm from Pittsburgh cause it, there's challenges to that mm -hmm. city. It's a cool city, but it's not an easy city to, to negotiate. It's and kind it's of impossible. A Say it again. But. It's kind of a gorgeous city. Like driving into Pittsburgh, you're like, wow, they got they got a San Francisco over here. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> no, it's very beautiful and it's very green and all the bridges and all the rivers and all that. It's really, it's very, like I said, singular. It's its own thing. 
And so it was, you know, it, it, it was really, it was really interesting to be able to live there for, it was like six months or something like that. I was struck by a line in the very first episode where, I, I mean, the, the it's beautiful. Like you're looking at things that are in some cases like rusting back into the earth, but yeah. they're, they're gorgeous. Like the shots are beautiful and you're sitting on the steps of your, your trailer with your son talking about what shit the trailer is and looking at the trailer. It does appear my, my grandparents are trailer people. That was not a good trailer, but you see that it's, but it's, it's sitting on, um, it's sitting on such beautiful land and it sort of pans out a little bit and it, it is. So I just, when you were, when you were there, what was the sense of pride that people took from being of that area? Was it, I feel like at least from like the urban perspective, we're always like, oh, it must be so sad. It must be so economically devastated. Like, is there that or is there still the look, we have this beautiful land that we live on there too? Oh, definitely that. Yes. And when I say there's a, there's a pride in like gritting it out at all the adver- adversity of the weather and stuff, um, but there's also a pride in like, you can drive one hour and be here. You can drive one, another hour and be here. Like they're like, it's a, it's a city, but you can be like in deep, beautiful nature within an hour. And so that is also something that people value about living there. And also like falling water is there, the Frank Lloyd Wright thing. Like there's sort of really beautiful things and the museums are amazing too. And in, in Pittsburgh, there's I did that in pandemic. I drove to, we drove to Falling Water and it was, oh, that's I'd never seen it before. It was so gorgeous. It was such a cool part of the country and such an odd thing to have right there. I did the same thing. Were you allowed to go in? We weren't allowed to go in because it was COVID. We, we were, but like very limited. Yeah. Like just the pieces that were like also kind of outside, which basically lots of the houses. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. Go back when you get to see the living room. It's worth it. Okay. <laughs> that's a good activity. I'm gonna write that down. You gotta send me these ideas, Jess. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, my, my, uh, my sad life. pandemic road trips. <laughs> um, so- one of one of the other things um, I wanted to ask you about the show is, you know, I think anytime we're looking at multiple generations and families on on shows, um, we're exploring sort of the idea of like generational curses and like things that are carried over from one generation to the next generation um, and how, you know, young people in the real world, we're, we're always thinking about how to like undo that. Um, how much did you think about that um, in terms of your own character and, and exploring the ways in which I think we're all sort of in process to try to sort of undo the trauma of the generation that came before us and before them? Um, I think this is answering your question kind of. Um, well, it's sort of next to it in terms of, I think we, we had talked about like a lot of these characters just are people who are good people that are making sort of bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she made a bad decision to have a child with that man. So she was 21 <laughs> or 22 and that was her mistake. But unfortunately that's a big bad decision because, you know, it, it has sort of deeply affected her life and she's got a child who struggles now because he, essentially doesn't have a father so in terms of I don't know if I thought about it generationally but I did think about her life you know the trajectory of her life based on that choice 
and then the effect it has on her son. So I don't know. I, I, it's interesting how that will play out. I, I mean, he also doesn't make very smart decisions. So <laughs> perhaps that's the thing that's going on, you know, between them. Um, yeah. And I, I, does that answer the question at all? What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The word that kept coming up for me while I was watching it was harrowing. I think I started oh, yeah. it at that, like at the ice, you know, the ice scene here, your son is under the ice for a hot second. It is literally one of the tensest moments of television that I've ever seen. It's so good. He keeps being in these like physically harrowing situations where his physical safety is on the line, violent things are around him. And her harrowing situation seems far more existential. Like it's just this, this inability to get things right. Like, I guess my question is, what was it like to live in that experience for the duration of this? Somebody who feels so, so trapped and so wanting what's best for the people that she cares about being unable to provide it. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's, a, it's a, it was challenging. Um, I tried to insert some humor in it sometimes where I could. There's fun moments. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I think what I came to realize towards the end of the show was, which is weird that it took that long to land and I might've unconsciously been playing this, but I, I think like, I don't know if anyone's ever loved this woman ever. <laughs> so mm. she, as a result, she doesn't know how to love. And I don't, I, you know, I, I think she's had to fend for herself for a long, long time. And, you know, the only, I think therefore she doesn't know how to love <laughs> and, you know, she doesn't know how to be taken care of. So there's, so she's always like bumping up into walls, you know, like she's not going to give up, but I don't think she navigates life in the most um, thoughtful way. So yeah, it was, it was a little um, draining. I'm sure. I know people like that though. I feel like we all know people like that. Like you see them make mistake and then another one and you're like, Oh, come on, get it together. Yeah. Um, and you, you sort of want to shake them and be like, we're rooting for you. Yeah. I'm rooting for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I was rooting for you. Um, the other thing, um, I think about, um, you said is good people making bad choices. Mm -hmm. Um, and I often too think about the idea that sometimes you only have bad options <laughs> and because of like factors that you can't control a lot of the time. And we were in the pandemic. I don't know. We are, our choices were very limited mm -hmm. um, because of things that were outside of our control. And I feel like, um, you know, class is one of those places, especially, you know, uh, working class pe people like in Pittsburgh, they're not left with a lot of good options. So it, it, is she really making a bad choice or did, was she only left with bad choices? Well, both. <laughs> no, I think that's <laughs> no, it's a really good point. It's true. She has yeah. limited options. Absolutely. But um, you'll see if you watch the show. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She no. makes a few choices that maybe not everybody would. Uh, we try not to spoil. So I, I never would like. Yeah, I think but you're, you're absolutely right. But I think um, as her situation becomes more dire, she becomes more reckless, which also mm. makes sense. I mean, recklessness yeah. is also a, a result of frustration of lack of choice. You're like, fuck it, you know, I mean, oh, fuck it. I'll just, 
I'm gonna do what I need to do. Um, so yeah, I think you're, you're right, yes. I read uh, an interview with you and Jeff Daniels where you sort of talked about your process Mm -hmm. And you're, you're, or I guess your sort of lack of process. Like apparently there was a conversation in the beginning that was like, hi, do you want to talk about this beforehand mm -hmm. or should we just jump right in and do it? And you guys decided to just jump right in and do it. And that sounds terrifying to me. I am a Virgo. I am an over planner. I will have a list for everything that I, I engage in. So like, did, have you always been that way? Or is that the like, yes, well, I have been doing this and doing it exceptionally for, you know. 15 years now, however long it's been. So I feel comfortable jumping off the deep end now. First of all, I love that you said 15 years and not 30. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I haven't always worked like that. Um, but uh, there is a part of it, you're right, that having done it for a long time, there are certain ways for me that I try to keep the kind of spontaneity or the, the alive feeling. And I think over preparing doesn't help me at this point in my, you know, path. Um, that is a hindrance, I think. Um, and I also tend to, I'm pretty flexible. I'm Aquarius, so I'm not an over um, and. I don't mind adapting to working with the actor I'm working with. And, you know, he sent me an email and it was very lovely. It was like, so happy that you're on board, very nice things. And he said, I'm not one for chatting much. <laughs> Perfect for the character. Yes, I said, love that. He said, but happy to chat if you want to, or we can yeah. just jump in. And so I, I'm, I'm also not one for chatting, but I was like, that's cool. That's a challenge. Let's see what happens if we just like show up. And uh, thankfully it seemed to have worked. I really enjoy working with him. So that was fun. And it, you know, uh, I also, I think, I don't, I think I don't like actors talking about things. I think they should just be quiet and act. I, I like that. It's like, I'm not one for chatting. I kind of like that idea of like letting the magic happen. Yeah. Well, and you're both trying to figure each other thing. out. You're, you don't really, you're not really on the same page about what you mean to each other, what the subtext of each scene is. And that creates this really fun conflict for us to like, I think everybody wants it to work, but it, it, it feels off. It is off. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, exactly. it's, it's off because, you know, we're, we're not quite sure what her motives are. And also Mark, who plays Virgil, my husband, it's so super funny and charming. You know, it's it's ah. a it's a real nice dynamic. I think I love him. That's very cool. so. I the last time um, I I chatted with you was like many many years ago, and it was in the middle of it might have been like season two of the affair or season three of the like it was early early wow. on, mm -hmm. and yeah, it was a long time. So I I but subsequently have just like grown in appreciation for that show and what it did in terms of just storytelling. Um, mm -hmm. Because I just remember watching the first episode and I was like, oh my God, they figured out life. They figured out what's wrong with life. It's because everybody goes to the same exact situation, they're in the same exact conversation and our perspectives are different. And so you remember it one way and the other person remembers it a different way. And then in that tension is where all the, all the wars start, all the breakups, all the everything, all the problems are in that 
disconnect. And I was like, they figured it out. Um, can you just reflect on just the affair? Because as, as and what it meant to you, because it, it's really powerful storytelling. I agree. It's funny that you bring it up because I've been recently feeling, and I don't know why, but super nostalgic for that, my time there. And I, I feel like at the end of five years, we had the writers, we, all of us, but the writers had done everything they could do with the story and with the POVs. And I think Dom once made a joke that, you know, in the next season, a dog was going to have a POV. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got one. Um, but I do feel like it was very special and especially lately. And I'm not sure what, if it's, what, what, what month are we in? I don't know why. Maybe we wrapped around this. I'm not sure what it was, but I do think you're right. It was a, it was very unique um, and insightful and also managed to be funny as much as the, the, you know, the weight of the, what they were taking on. And I, I, it was a special time and I agree with you. I think Sarah really put her finger on something and investigated it in a really thoughtful, unafraid way. And I, 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 it was, I had a really great time. Yeah. The longevity has been really stunning. Like when somebody says, you know, it's like the affair, you know exactly what they mean. What they mean is two people are thinking two different things about the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's rare that a TV show can be shorthanded for a human experience that we all have and had before we watched the affair. That's true. That's cool. I like that. No, I'm, but that's real. Like, I honestly now think about it differently. And I I think I actually, I I probably have a little bit more patience for people misunderstanding an interaction because I realized when I watched that TV show that like, this is what's happening. This is why like, you know, people don't get you or like they misinterpret you. And it, it helped me actually like focus on like being a better communicator. So I'm saying like, this is what I want. This is what I need so that there aren't those miscommunications. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you're yeah. right. the the interesting thing too is that the critics. I, I remember like going to the TCAs or whatever, and people were like, they wanted to know what actually happened. Like, what was the truth? What was the real version? And Sarah so would say yeah. that that's, there is no real version. They're right. all the truth, right? Because we all are living in our truth, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our perceived truth. And but it, yeah. I think it's funny that certain people couldn't, like you, like sort of hang with that and delve jump into it and be like no 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 what really happened and it's like all of it really happened yes yes yeah from his perspective and from her it's just like it's so perfect and I as the first time I saw it I was like you know like that emoji with the brain exploding I was yes. like they figured it out <laughs> but I, I have to say the too the problem with the world the problem with the world I'm gonna tell, <laughs> I have to text Sarah Treem yeah. and tell her that she would be very happy oh, thank um, you but the, the <laughs> costuming was, I, I think, and hair and makeup was also, as yeah. much as the storytelling, I don't think anyone else has sort of actually changed like the, the people's physical perspective <laughs> of what they were seeing. And all of the characters usually were less attractive in their own POV than they were in other mm-hmm. people's POV. Yep. Like, yep. So there was a lot of thought put into hair, makeup, and wardrobe in terms of people's self-perception as well as right. how they perceived other people. 
That is deeply cool. No, and it was it was super effective. So so you 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 pick really interesting projects. You always have, I, I guess, fifteen years. What like now that I think about news radio, yes, I I was under fifteen when I saw them. But you pick interesting projects, and you always. <laughs> I'm also not 30. Oh my God. I was, un- I just, I just subtracted a decade from my own age. <laughs> I was under 25 when <laughs> I am 40. Okay. We're going to get this right. Point is you've been picking very cool projects and, and specifically very cool characters within fun projects for like a really long time. How, now that you're established, now that I'm assuming, you know, people, people just want you to be attached to whatever they're doing. How are you choosing which characters you want to put your time and energy into? Like what makes something really exciting to you these days? Hmm. Um, wow, pregnant pause. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, what came to mind is, and I know I'm, I'm talking about American Rust, but um, I did this other show called Your Honor, also for Showtime. I'm like such a company girl. Um, I just say this because that was very fun for me because it was sort of like a real character type role I don't get to play that often I'm I'm often like emoting all over the screen Um, and like and I I wanted to be part of this project because there was just a lot of excitement around it I I, like I don't know the writers were exciting and the network was really excited about it. And my representation was, it just seemed like something nice like, that seems interesting. Your Honor, like that character was just like a crazy lady. Like they, the, in the script, it said, her character description was, it's as if Patti Smith became a lawyer. And I was like, I'm <gasps> in. Like that's what I want to play. I love Patti Smith. I do not want her as my lawyer. No, but <laughs> It was really great. I had this hair and like the, and I, I, and like I said, I didn't have to emote. I was a supporting character and that was super fun. I mean, American Rust is, I, it was very challenging, but in terms of like, what's fun, that was really fun. I, I loved doing that. And I was in New Orleans location. Well, who doesn't love New Orleans? Oh, mm-hmm. it was super, I mean, it's COVID, but still New Orleans. Still, the still. food is still there. Yeah. <laughs> You can walk around. It's beautiful. I loved it there. Yeah. New Orleans on a bad day is better than most of us on a great day. Okay. American Rust is on Showtime. We are a few episodes in, so you can still catch up. Maura Tierney, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been super fun to talk to you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. But again, stay safe. Stay safe. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell, at Jess underscore MC, and at Signal Boost Show. Thank you.